So every once in a while, uh, between a sermon series or two, I like to just kind of stop and revisit the question, why are we here? What are we called to together as God's people? And it's just sort of a chance to reflect and refocus our energies and attentions. And I thought that would be particularly appropriate today since we have a a congregational vote uh, later after the service. And just wanted to uh, sort of use a passage from the Gospel of Luke that we just went over with the kids as a window into this calling. And I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Uh, This is the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, much gets made of this story, but I want to try to just make it really simple. Just sort of boil it down to its uh, core message and sort of explore that for a little while with you. So you see, you see two different seekings in this passage. One is by Zacchaeus and the other is articulated by Jesus. And so I want, I want us to look at the two sides of that word, that word to seek and sort of just explore the implications of that for our own lives. So we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 in Luke chapter 19. Here we go. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled He has gone into be a guest, the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So, how do I explain this? I am... Uh, theologically, uh, what's called a Presbyterian. And uh, how do I explain that? Uh, well, Presbyterian, uh, that the word itself actually just means 
a group of elders or governed by elders is the implication that the church is uh, governed by a board of elders is basically what the word Presbyterian means. But there's a whole theology that comes with on, sort of that's it's like it's like a train of cars that are connected, and one of those cars has a lot to say to the question of salvation and how a person comes to the point of finding salvation, or you might say it this way, how salvation comes to the point of finding a person. And the story of Zacchaeus is fascinating in this question of of, uh, which came first, the, the heart of the sinner or the heart of God toward the sinner. And so there's this group of questions surrounding the story of Zacchaeus. And just, uh, I, I like, if, you know, if, if someone has a bias, I prefer that they just tell me what it is. So here's my, here's my bias as it relates to scripture. I believe that God actually seeks us. I, I believe that's the way that it works. Um, I don't believe that, that the people who don't agree with me on that position are any less Christian because of their disagreement. I, I, we're good. I, that's not my uh, horse to ride. I, I'm not, um, what's the word? I'm not, I don't want to be a jerk about it. How about that? Is that fair? So, but I do have a bias that I think comes from what I find in this book that it seems like it's God who takes the initiative. It seems like it's God who does the choosing. It seems like it's God who moves, and we are those who wake up and respond. So we have this story of a, of a guy named Zacchaeus, and I'll, I'll just say this from the front end. Uh, for a first-century Jewish author... To record that someone was short, that's saying a lot. Zacchaeus uh, had to be a tiny dude. Okay, this is a, this is a, a culture of not very tall people. How about that? Right? It's, it's a genetic reality in this near Middle Eastern region. And for Zacchaeus to be called by the author, uh, lacking in stature, or however he says it, uh, what's that? Short of stature. This is a massive statement. Or maybe the opposite of massive, right? He's a little guy. He's a tiny guy. At least in terms of his height. And so... Where shall we begin with this question of seeking? Uh, I want to look at both of these aspects, both the the pattern that we see in Zacchaeus of seeking Jesus, that we are to be a people who seek to see who Jesus is. Uh, We seek Jesus in order to know who he is. Zacchaeus is intrigued. He's obviously heard something 
that Jesus has maybe healed some people uh, or that he's been teaching some things that are kind of off the charts weird. Um, no one really understands at this point in history exactly who Jesus is. There's quite a bit of misunderstanding if you read the Gospels almost everywhere Jesus goes, including his own inner circle of followers, there's misunderstanding as to who he is. So Zacchaeus has heard something, enough to pique his interest, and it's, you know, this doesn't really happen anymore, but um, I think back to, you know, my grandparents when they were kids and the circus would come to town. And the circus itself was just part of the experience. The, the, the real show began as the train pulled into town. And the train would come to a stop and they would sort of fence off the area and they would sell tickets, like for a nickel, to go in and just walk down along the train to see the animals and the, the props and all the stuff that was going to be put up soon. So there's all this anticipation when the circus pulls into town. And Jesus' arrival to Jericho is very similar. The people have, are, there's a buzz going around of, who is this guy? And so Zacchaeus decides that he wants to seek to see who he is. I, I love the way that's worded. That we are to be a people who seek to see who Jesus is. We should be asking the question of ourselves, how can we catch a better glimpse of who Jesus is? How can I get a better glimpse of who he is. There are two obvious answers to that question, right? One, one is, it's, it's in our hands, it's right here. He reveals through his word who he is. As we spend time here, the, the, the cloud dissipates and, and clarity comes, not immediately, but like a fog lifting in the morning. You, you gradually see more and more. There's his word through which we can, we can see him better. And the other answer I would offer to you is look around. There are some amazing souls in this room of people that God has brought together so that you can get a slightly better glimpse of who Christ is. And no, we're not all going to look to George, right, to have a better glimpse of who Jesus is. He's not the only person. He just gives us a small view into the heart of Christ as we relate to him and we see his heart and the way that he responds to the world and his faith is engaged. It it encourages us. It gives us a glimpse of Christ. And as we do that together, collectively, more um, comprehensively, we get better and better 
clarity as to the heart of Christ. And, um, you know, George, I'll, I'll screw that up for you periodically, right? And give you a glimpse of something very not Jesus-like. Uh, but we also there learn to forgive each other and bear with each other and, and be, extend grace to each other. So, to seek to know who Jesus is, to ask ourselves the question, how can we gain a better glimpse of him? And to ask ourselves the question, what is getting in the way? What is getting in the way of my deepening of my relationship with Christ? Zacchaeus, the answer was very clear, and this is, I, I think, um, you know, you don't want to make too much of this, but, uh, you know, I, you have a tree to climb, Hope. There's a, there's a limitation, and you have to climb that tree and see Jesus better, right? I mean, you could go there with this, but what stands between you and a better glimpse of Christ, I think, is the right question that we need to be asking ourselves. What is it that is impeding the progress of the gospel in my own heart? Is it my pride? Is it my habits? Is it my... Uh, who knows? You probably have an answer to that question if you're paying attention. So I'll let you answer it. But this call to seek Jesus has a couple of aspects to it. The the call to know better who he is and the call to show who he is. To seek this glimpse of Christ that we can then do a better job of representing him to the people around us. We are called to show who Jesus is. Zacchaeus does this in a peculiar way. He he basically says, okay, I get it. You sought me out. You called me down. Uh, you, came to, you came and made your presence in my home. And I'm overwhelmed. I think uh, joyful is a word that's used to describe Zacchaeus's response. He received him joyfully at the end of verse 6. And this is evidence of a change. Zacchaeus probably did not have a very joyous life. His existence was not really in any proximity to joy. He had a terrible job, and no one liked this guy. I mean, really. It, Mike makes a living off of uh, helping people uh, get away from the tax collector, literally, right? Not get away, but yeah. No one likes the tax man. Am I wrong? Is there someone who likes paying taxes? I don't think that exists. And so... Zacchaeus is living a life where he, he really effectively, he can't even go to the temple and worship. 
primarily because no one would let him in. Uh, it was pretty clear by the way he dressed what he did. And, and so just not just the people in his community would know what he did, but it, everyone would know what he did, and nobody would like him. He was Jewish, but he was working for the Romans. So he's a little bit of a traitor. He's a large part scumbag, and no one likes this guy. For Jesus to actually point to him and say, I'm coming over to your place, is incomprehensibly enormous as a gesture of grace. Like we couldn't, I don't know that there's a category that we would have for this. Zacchaeus did not belong in the presence of God and he knew it. And Jesus ignored that social norm. In response to the grace that Christ has shown him, Zacchaeus immediately dumps this offer of half of everything and a fourfold repayment for any wrongs that he's committed. Um, ironically, he, he probably hasn't wronged very many people in a legal sense. Uh, he's, he's probably been, you don't, you don't have to be a, a thief to be a tax collector and be rich in the ancient world. You just have to do your job well. Um, so all that to say, Zacchaeus has this response of showing the grace that has been shown to him. That's where I see our calling in the person of Zacchaeus. That's, we see this evidence that something has happened in him spiritually. That's the thing that we're all going for, if you will, this internal spiritual shift that takes place when we recognize we don't belong in the family of God. And yet, he doesn't seem to care about the fact that we don't belong. He loves us and he wants us to come home. We're to show who Jesus is in response to his grace and in the demonstration of his grace in the world. And we see this in Zacchaeus, in the way that he uh, seeks to show the grace that has been shown to him. Okay. So, once, one of the seekings is the seeking we see in Zacchaeus. The other seeking is mentioned by Christ. Let's take a look at that for a moment. That we are to seek the lost. It is not always as obvious in a post-Christian society who is lost and who is not. Uh, You could arguably have a church full of lost people. And depending on how we interpret lostness, I could say we are a church full of lost people. And I would even argue that that's probably a healthier perspective for us to maintain than that of we are the found and the lost are out there. Right? If we, if we adopt that mentality, then 
we're we're sort of in this uh, self righteous position of of who's lost and and well, this certainly not us, Keith. I mean, look at us, really. I mean, these are Tony Lama boots. I can't be lost. Come on. Um, oh yeah, honey, I bought some Tony Lamas. <laughs> Can we just keep going through the passage? They were for Jesus. I used them to preach in. She's not saying anything because I. She's got her purse sitting there right next to her. So, yeah, we're good. All right. Welcome to our world. Sorry. Um, where was I? Seeking, seeking this call to seek the lost. This. So. All right, Gracelyn, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. You ready? All right. So, if if I if I argue this point that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, that Zacchaeus was incredibly unpopular, and were you the were you the like head cheerleader? Yeah, or are? Yeah, okay. So that would that would imply sort of the pinnacle of popularity. I mean, I know you don't feel that way. I know you. But, I mean, am I wrong? Casey, am I wrong? I mean, it's it's at least we, we would perceive that as sort of the apex of the popularity food chain, right? You're the, you're the great white shark in Johnson High School's social order. Okay. Um, and if I, if I, if we are taking this too much at face value, we would read that Jesus doesn't care about you, right? Which was not what I'm going to preach, but just work with me. That if he, if he's going after Zacchaeus, the ethic is set that he's looking for the forsaken, the lost, the unpopular, the marginalized or forgotten, right? And so the trick for all of us, including the head cheerleader at Johnson, is to recognize our own spiritual depravity in the face of the gospel and to step into the grace of God with an awareness that we don't have what it takes. And so you can be the great white shark of the social order at your high school and still have a humility spiritually that places yourself exactly where Zacchaeus lives. That says, I don't actually have it all together. Um, I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need acceptance and inclusion and love and to be a part of something greater than what I am. So to seek the lost means to seek the unpopular spiritually speaking and in every real sense of that word to include the ones that others grumble against. I love the fact that Jesus picks this guy out with great intentionality 
and nobody's okay with it. Like, really? Him? Like, you could have had the head cheerleader and you picked him? You picked Rusty? Come on. (laughs) Sorry, man. So, the ones that others grumble about are also the ones that others are constantly judging. And for us to be a voice into the lives and hearts of those who are resoundingly judged by others, to be a voice that says, it's okay, you're, you're, you're loved, you're acceptable, you're included, you're of value, is a huge um, shift in the social order of the kingdom of God that we are called to be a part of, making that shift or continuing that shift in the world we live in. And so, um, this is going to sound really bizarre. I cannot get off of my heart this, this whole race war that's taking place in our country. I just can't, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't figure out what I can do about it. I can't. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. I have no, don't just, you're probably going to laugh. It's okay. I would. Um, I'm going to go to the march tomorrow, the Martin Luther King Jr. Day march. I don't even know why. You know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, like, I'm a theologian, I'm a Presbyterian. I don't even agree with Martin Luther King Jr.'s theology, right? It's, 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 yeah, but that's not what this is about. This is about something completely different. And I don't understand why San Antonio, which has the, the smallest percentage of African Americans by population of any major city in the United States has the largest MLK Junior Day march in the country. What's up with that? That's weird, right? But sort of on this, this ethic of seeking that which isn't usual, that which is sort of outside the, I'm just gonna go. And I, I, there's a few people I hope to meet. I, know, I don't know their names. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what's going to come of it or if anything. If just, I don't know. Who knows? It may be a nothing. But I just feel a sense that I need to go. So there you have it. We're to seek the lost, under, with the understanding that we are they, and we're to seek the disqualified. Zacchaeus, by taking the job that he took, effectively chose wealth over inclusion in the family of God in every sense of the word. He was ex- excluded socially, and he was excluded spiritually, and he knew it. He knew that this job was a betrayal of his people and his faith. You cannot uh, sort of rectify the two 
very easily anyway, not the way he was doing it. And so he's disqualified. He's out of the circle. And our seeking needs to be done in such a way that we are bringing the disqualified into God's favor. That we are part of that exercise of including souls that are otherwise cut off. To bring them into God's favor and to bring them into God's family. Jesus makes an interesting statement about Zacchaeus. He says, for he... Let me read it so I don't mess it up. He also is a son of Abraham. This is the opposite of the reality that Zacchaeus was living in. He had basically been pulled out of the family of Abraham by virtue of his choice of occupation. And Jesus is undoing that. He's saying... Your standing in the family of God is not based upon what you do or have done or will do. Your standing before God is based upon what Christ has done on your behalf. And this could not possibly be more clear than it is right here. Zacchaeus is in the family of God because Jesus sought him out changed his heart and gave him the gift of faith, which is what makes us children of Abraham. Faith from God, that gift from God, is what makes us part of God's family. The blood of Christ is involved there too. Obviously, these things are connected, but you see what I'm saying. It's not that Zacchaeus gave away half of his wealth that he was then made a citizen. You can't buy citizenship in heaven. It's been bought. It's been purchased by the blood of Christ. How about that? We'll leave it at that. I want to um, just read a brief passage from the book of Acts and then conclude this for us. From Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Jesus is with his followers for basically the last time. And he's about to be uh, taken up. He's, he's already been resurrected. He's physically with his followers. And he's about to be taken up, ascended to the right hand of God, the Father, uh, where he will sit forever. And so these are kind of like his last words to his followers before he goes. They had come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, we talked earlier about the fact that everybody around him really didn't understand who he was or what he was doing. And now he's demonstrated on the cross who he was and what he was doing. He's raised from the dead to prove that he has the credentials to do what he did. And they still don't get it. They're like, is, is Israel going to be a kingdom again? Are we going to have a king and have a throne and... And, like, you're going to make this all right, right? And Jesus basically says, Oy vey, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are on a mission from God. 
Jake, Elwood, we're getting the band back together. And we're on a mission to see the grace of God spread into the hearts of the lost, or should we say it this way, into more hearts that are lost. That the, the family of the lost who has been found by Christ shall grow. That's the mission. That we band together for this purpose. We are part of the Father's plan. We have the Son's forgiveness. And we have the Spirit's power at every step we take. We are to seek Jesus and we are to seek the lost. Will you pray with me? God our Father, your word is a challenge to our established order, to our ideas of how the world ought to work. And yet your word is a great comfort that all of that insanity will be laid to rest in the grace and love that is ours in Jesus Christ. Lord, we desire to seek you, to seek to know you and show you. We desire to seek with you the rest of those who are lost that you would name and call into your family. Use us that your kingdom might grow and expand on this earth. Use us that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.